This episode is part one of a two-part conversation about hope, about the gospel of Jesus Christ, specifically as it relates to sex addiction and pornography usage in our culture. There's so much I wanna say, but we say a lot in the conversation. And I hope that in this conversation, you find hope, friends, that you're reminded that God loves you, that he has new life to offer you, that there are tools and there are strategies that we can employ in this world and in the kingdom of God to have victory. This is part one. Uh, stick around for part two. Um, I love you. I can't wait for you to hear from my friend Trip. This is Jason Leonard. This is the House Podcast, and we're helping the next generation discover real life in Jesus Christ. All right, so as we get started, I just want to read um, just a bunch of stats about pornography and the sex industry largely. This will this has um, uh, a lot of this stuff is actually linked to our website right now uh, at thehouseutc.org slash porn stats, I think. Yeah, no, um, I, I looked at those. those and it was amazing. Those I, and I, now I'm thinking I might want to change the title so that anybody's like phone blocker doesn't make it so you can't see it so i probably should come up with that i'll update it in a link on the show notes on this with some link that will get by uh any kind of filtering software people have on their phones um but i just want to read some stats i think a lot of folks um you know are aware that pornography is rampant that the sex industry is commercialized like quite crazy in our culture um and, and I, I i hope that in reading these stats that a lot of people realize that there um there's a lot of there's a lot of other people um, that are experiencing some of the same things they're experiencing. Like, I hope the stats don't magnify shame so much as help uh, kind of normalize um, the problem, I think, a little bit. So anyway, so here's some stuff I wrote down from this article. In 2006, which is a bit ago, the commercial sex industry in the United States brought in more than $13 billion, which is more than all the four major uh, sports industries in the United States combined. And it's estimated that that number is less now just because 80% of the porn sites are free. <laughs> um, porn sites today receive more regular traffic than Netflix, Amazon, and Twitter combined. One recent study reported that 85% of young men and almost 50% of young women watch porn on a regular basis. Another study reported that 67% of young men and almost 50% of young women agree that viewing pornography is acceptable. And a third, this is crazy to me, a it's not crazy. It's stunning to see it, I suppose. A third of all daily searches for porn are for the words teen porn. The U.S. is the largest producer and exporter of hardcore pornographic DVDs and web material. And Hollywood releases 11,000 adult movies per year, which is 20 times more than what we would see in the mainstream movie production. So that, that's crazy. Uh, the U.S. also hosts more child pornography than any other nation. Um, all of this... Um, or all this, even though study after study finds links between pornography use and sex trafficking, physical aggression, divorce rates, objectification of other human beings, and lower levels of sexual satisfaction. And it's also worth noting that human trafficking is the fastest growing criminal enterprise in the 21st century. So those are kind of crazy stats. Um, this is something as a pastor, as the director of a college ministry, um, and we'll, we'll get into some of this, I think, um, this is something we need to talk about. Um, it's something I don't talk about much and don't talk about near, not even, not enough for sure, but not much. Um, I don't hear it talked about from churches very much. Um, 
One study, I think, showed that only 7% of churches in America, something like that, yeah, 7% of churches in America have some sort of formal offering to help walk with people in some kind of recovery or combating uh, pornographic use or sex trafficking things. So anyway, this is nuts. I've got a friend of mine, Trip, on the podcast today, um, and I've asked him here uh, to talk with us about uh, pornography, um, and I hope that our conversation today will be really helpful. Um for anyone in the next generation that is struggling with this or potentially uh, for someone who just wants to know why other people do struggle with this and how to help friends or, or maybe significant others or something like that too. But um, anyway, I've talked a lot. Trip, um, why don't you just tell us a little bit about who you are and share with us why maybe you're here um, in a conversation about pornography. Yeah, for sure. Uh, by the way, that uh, link does work for filtered websites. I'm sure my uh, oh, great. accountability partner will have a few questions for me after he reads that. <laughs> That's great. No, the, those, no, those statistics were astounding They're and, and really heartbreaking when, when I looked over them the other day. Um, yeah, so my name's Tripp. Um, I used to go to UTC and I knew Jason in the house about 10 or so years ago. So it's really neat to be back here and, and to be talking about this stuff. Um, I... I struggle. I've struggled with, and you know, struggling. This, there's so many. There's, <laughs> there's so many loaded words in trying to have a conversation like this, and there's so many assumptions that I think we bring to the table when trying to have a conversation about this. Um, so I've dealt with uh, sexual addiction uh, and sexual acting out behaviors for a very, very long time. It's certainly the vast majority of my life. I started masturbating and looking at pornography at around age 13. I probably started cross-dressing around the age of seven or eight. That's actually my oldest acting out behavior. Huh. Um, and those have increased to, you know, seeking sexual partners online, uh, having sex with men and women, um, so, and just a variety of acting out behaviors, going to adult, you know, uh, adult toy stores and things along those lines. Um, and, and, and internet pornography has just been such... A pervasive part of all of that. Um, I've gone through various recovery programs uh, and met various levels of success, but really pornography is the one uh, behavior that I've not been able to shake mm-hmm. uh, through all of this. I'd really, you know, I, I've been married now for about four years. I'd hoped that getting married would, would solve that problem, uh, but it did not. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if anything, the, the problem has continued in around the same amount of frequency for, you know, for over, over two decades of my life now. Mm-hmm. So here um, in the past, it's almost been a year now, uh, I found a recovery effort uh, through one of the counselors. I live in upstate New York right now. And um, I've been able to experience a level of sobriety uh, that I never thought was possible uh, and that I've never seen before in anyone else in the church um, before as well. So I think that's kind of, what what we're here to talk about mm-hmm. to a certain extent, what that looks like, and kind of that that process. So, um, so I have all these questions written yeah. down that we talked about. But sure. can I just ask questions from Please, what you shared? Go okay. Ahead. Yeah. Um, so when you and I talked before, I shared with you, and I think you you seemed like in, intuitively or instinctively you knew this, but um, I, I was sharing with you that. I know that a lot of the men that I minister to, I'm sure a lot of women too, I just this is a conversation that comes up more with men or I'm more aware of it anyway with men. Mm-hmm. Um, I know a lot of men are underwater with mm-hmm. this stuff. 
And one of the reasons they don't talk about it, and honestly, one of the reasons I don't talk about it mm-hmm. a lot is because it's it really does seem pretty hopeless. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I think for most, uh, like, like if somebody called me up this morning and was like, hey, Jason, I've got an idea. Over lunch, why don't we get together and let's just cure all of the COVID problems in the world today? You know what I mean? And, and if they were like sure, serious sure. about that, I'd be like, yeah. like, how the heck are you going to propose to do that? Right. And, and I, I think that there's a sense in which a lot of guys feel um, like, they, like they're not going to win. Yeah. And I, I, want, I wonder if you could speak to, did, did it feel that way when you were in college? Um, and what has helped you? Sure. Sure. Maybe feel like there might actually be yeah. some hope. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I mean, I definitely felt that way in college. I felt that I felt that way all of my life. Um, you know, elementary school, middle school, high school, college, grad school, marriage, all of it. It felt like mm-hmm. this is just a part of my life, and there's nothing I can really do about it. And so I essentially just have to keep the damage to a minimum. Yeah. Uh, and and do my best, or come up with you know I would come up with various schemes on how I thought I could get my way out of it. Like okay, every time. I look at porn. I'm going to confess to my pastor, and I, you know, yeah. I was a worship leader at the time, so I know he'll just, you know, lightning bolt me, and that'll, and that lightning yeah. bolt will keep me um, from from looking at pornography. It didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I th- in general, what I've seen in churches is exactly what you're describing. Uh, we really, we really don't know what to do with this, mm-hmm. uh, and I've seen churches respond in two ways, and I think both ways are equally unhelpful. Mm-hmm. Um, one way is just letting it fall flat, um, where, you know, I call you up and say, hey, Jason, I, you know, I spent all weekend, I probably looked at pornography for six hours this past weekend. Yeah. And you just say, okay. And then that's it. Yeah. And there's really, because honestly, you know, I'm there's sorry. No, right. Yeah. 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 Me too. Pray yeah, about it. Right. Like that. Exactly. Right, right, right. Yeah. 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 Um, and then the other one is to, like I described earlier, lightning, lightning bolting people. Um, where you uh, you cut them off, you punish them. You know, if they're in a leadership role, you remove them from leadership. Yeah. Um, you pull them back, and all those kinds of things. Uh, and I don't think either of those responses are helpful. And 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 here's why: is because I don't think in either of those responses you really see the gospel. Uh, and what the gospel looks like is for me to be able to share with with you or with with anyone my darkest secrets, the things that I feel like no one will love me for yeah. and then for the person to look me in the face and say i love you and thank you for sharing mm-hmm. that is that is when we can start transforming in 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 this way uh, and the other really important thing too is to is to see and know that there are people that are walking in freedom from this stuff um i've gone like i said i, I went through multiple recovery i tried to start a recovery effort in one of my churches um my church in raleigh north carolina that i was going to at the time we, uh, we had our first, it was a small church. We were growing very rapidly. Uh, we had our first men's retreat. And, and all the men of the church went out in the woods. It was a great time. But what happened of course, is, because, it's classic. is because we were all, yeah, absolutely. Uh, because we were all, you know, away from our, our families and our homes and we were in intimate conversations with other men, we started talking about porn. Mm-hmm. And our head pastor of our church very quickly realized that uh, this was a huge issue at our church. It was eating our lunch, is the way he put it. Yeah. Um, and he, me, and a couple other guys were going through some addiction recovery efforts uh, in in other areas of our life. And he tagged us and he said, "Hey, we need you to try to help 
start a pornography recovery effort in our church, and we tried, and it was a failure. <laughs> it flopped. We, yeah. we couldn't get anyone to show up, uh, and we weren't experiencing any freedom in our own lives. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, and then another recovery effort that I tried um, was with a, he was a certified counselor. He was a, a certified addiction therapist. Uh, but he, his primary experience of addiction in his life was with substance abuse. Yeah. Um, and he didn't really understand what it looked like for us to, you know, for us to walk through trying to recover from pornography or other sexual, sexual acting out. And uh, so it's really the combination of those two things, having a leader or having a mentor who has both experienced being lost in sexual addiction, pornography addiction, uh, sexual behavior, and also is currently walking in freedom and sobriety from it. That reminds me of uh, some, I talked to another friend yesterday, who uh, another alumni of the house, who in the past year has experienced um, a year of sobriety from pornography and masturbation. And just, I was asking him some questions if he had thoughts and he had um, questions he wanted me to ask, like in this or whatever, you know. Yeah. And he uh, looked through some of these questions or whatever, and he said something. I just kind of want to hear your thoughts on this. Sure. As it relates to um, uh, you talking about a leader, he said, um, he said all of his attempts at accountability mm-hmm. um, were just so frustrating for him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And and I actually because that's such a buzzword, mm-hmm. and it's and, it, and I remember in college just starting to follow Jesus, like sure. for kind of the first time. And I remember hearing about like accountability partners, mm-hmm. and I mean, <laughs> thankfully this is a podcast, so this you know whatever. But I used to work out, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and I remember thinking like, oh, that's like a workout partner, you know, like that's sure. and, and we we need those, like right. otherwise I don't go to the gym, like right. that, that makes right. a ton, of, like, like wisdom wise, yeah. That I didn't hear that when I was new to the church. Right. I didn't hear that as something annoying. I, I I heard that and I went, well, of course. Why wouldn't you need something? I guess they call them accountability partners here, mm-hmm. not like spiritual spotters or whatever. You know? Sure, yeah. Um, but as he was relaying this, this my friend was relaying his stories to me yesterday, I, I remember all of this. Mm-hmm. Where like guys would get together and, and at best it would be honesty. Mm-hmm. And guys would just like share how many times they masturbated or something, right. and and you know after a few weeks of that, um, realizing that nobody was changing, yeah, it just became a kind of a defeating practice. Yeah. And so then I remember personally going through stages where I just did never wanted to hear the word accountability again. Yeah, yeah. And then as I got older, I was like, well, maybe we just need a redeemed version of accountability. <laughs> and now I'm back, you know, right. that kind of thing. Sure. Okay, anyway, sure. what what my friend said yesterday, which I thought was really helpful, and um, he said. Uh, he actually didn't say anything about accountability after he expressed that. I, I wonder if he would think he probably still needs some of that. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But he said, um, he said what I what I needed was a guide. Yeah, exactly. That's I didn't, a, that's I didn't a just need a brother way. saying I do it too. Right, right. That's a great way of putting it. One of the guys, um, one of the men who, he's a pastor of a church out in Oregon. And he uh, he has done a lot in this recovery effort. He used to be. His name's Ted Roberts. He used to be a Vietnam fighter pilot, a Marine fighter pilot. The Marines don't have fighter pilots anymore. <laughs> what? So this man, he's a, he's a hard man. Yeah. Um, but he tells a story about the first time he went into Vietnam in combat. You know, he spent two years training to be a pilot, and then he, he was in combat in Vietnam. And uh, he was on um, the, the, um, 
the Viet Cong Road. There's a name for it. I'm trying to remember the name of that road, the famous road. It's the name of whatever the leader is for the Viet Cong. Ho Chi Minh. Ho Chi Minh Trail. Yeah, Thank yeah. you. He was on the, he was flying over the Ho Chi Minh Trail. And um, there was, uh, he saw a truck. And you know, the Ho Chi Minh Trail isn't just one road. It's a network of right, roads. Right. And he, sees, he sees a truck out in the open and he thinks, like, I'm going to take this thing out. I see a target. I'm going for it. And he has a, a, a flight leader with him. And, and the flight leader is, you know, a much more experienced pilot. He's been through combat before. He understands how the Viet Cong think, and he sees he's seen their patterns. And so he already, so so he takes a defensive position uh, as 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 Ted Roberts flies in to take this truck out. And as he's flying in to to take the truck out, it's what happens is it's it's an ambush. It's a trap. Uh, there's there's anti-aircraft stationed mm. uh, a, a, around in the area, and they're and they're designed to, to be there to take him out. And his flight leader knew that that was a possibility, and so he was ready for it. And, uh, and he went in and, and helped get him out, and he lived that day. And if he had not had that flight leader with him, yeah. uh, he would have been killed. So I think uh, and it's such an important part of trying to recover from this because it's such a pervasive one. It takes so much time, and we can talk about why. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it, this is such a hard thing to to get free from, but to have someone who knows what the patterns and the traps of the enemy are, that they've seen them before, they've walked through them before, mm-hmm. so that when you're putting yourself in a position where you're going to get blown out of the sky, mm-hmm. you know they can they can mm-hmm. help you know they can help pull you out of those kinds of situations. Yeah, I think that makes a ton of sense, man. I'm just, I, I guess I'm l- lamenting a little um, the cultural moment. This would be hard enough probably in any culture, cultural moment. But right now, uh, one of the layers of um, resistance I think that we fight is a, a, a narrative, like a message that says you shouldn't have anybody tell mm-hmm. you what to do. Mm-hmm. Like you should, like we kind of resist authority. Mm-hmm. Um uh, you do you, yeah. you know, kind of thing. And yeah. so I, I think for a lot of folks, like even just, first of all, just admitting you might need help is hard. Sure. It's super hard. Yeah. Um, but then, uh, then actually asking for somebody to lead you or guide you, right. um, would, yeah. would be another challenge later on yeah. top of that. Yeah. Would you, would you recommend, uh, this moves quickly to like just practical stuff here, sure. but would you recommend for like, say somebody in college right now, um, and they're, let's say they're in a small group Bible study, they got a couple friends, they're whatever. They got some folks that they yeah. feel like they can be a little open and honest with, which is a gift if you got that. Um, uh, would you actually recommend that they begin talking to those guys or, or for ladies, those ladies, I guess, if you want to talk about that too, if they don't have a guide mm-hmm. or a leader? Sure. Sure. That's, I mean, that's a good question. Um, I don't. I don't necessarily have a good answer. I can say. I can say for one, um, you know, Satan's one of his great strategies is to isolate and destroy. Yes. Um, so, if anyone thinks they can do any of life on their own, you know, they're it's it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, he, his strategy is also to to try to convince us to keep our sins in the dark because. Uh, and, and shame is such a big part of that. Uh, to tell us that you know our sins are too are too messy, uh, they're too evil, um, and they're too you know that we have to keep we have to keep them covered and have to keep them hidden in order for anyone to love us or anyone want to want to be around us. Yes. Um, and unfortunately, there are a lot, and I've experienced them. There are a lot of leaders who have a threshold <laughs> to what they they can handle. Hmm. With, um, 
with things being exposed in the light. And it's probably because they have their own things in their own heart that they don't want to be exposed to the light. A threshold of, for, for other people exposing things to the light. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, you, you got it. I, sorry, when you said that, I was thinking, like, what is my threshold for what I'm willing to expose? <laughs> so, I see what you're saying. Okay. Sure, yeah, 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 yeah. I think that's probably right, like, that you sort of, you go, oh, my gosh, this may, this is flooding. Somehow it's, like, flooding your, your mind or your right. heart or your body, sure. and you're like, I don't know if I can deal right now. Right, yeah, yeah. or, you know, it's... You shut it down There's There's so many systems... And and we can we can drive, dive into the neurobiology stuff if we want to. I definitely want to talk like about to it at, a certain at, point at for some sure. point. Yeah. yeah, but there's so many systems of denial that we put in place mm. um, where we're really not able to admit the problems that we have. And that you know, if you go to any 12-step program, so I've I've recovered, I've recovered from substance abuse, and, mm-hmm. and I and I was doing a lot of drugs when I was in high school, uh, stealing pills from people. Uh, so I'm a big fan of, of the 12-step program. And yep. the very first step of the 12-step program is denial. And that aspect of denial is pervasive. Uh, it, it's, it's rooted next to these sins that we hang on to so closely. Yeah. Um, so I guess what I, that's a very long way of answering. Like If you have a leader who had, really does a good job of listening to you and validating you and loving you, yeah. And listening, listening to you and your feelings, and trying to understand you and your feelings, then yes, that is, a, is exactly the kind of person that you want to be sharing these things with. But if you have a leader, and unfortunately they do exist, um, who is trying to manage your behavior, uh, is trying to um, tell you this is what you should do and shouldn't do, this is what you should think and shouldn't think, and this is what you should feel and shouldn't feel. Mm-hmm. Um, then that that could that may not necessarily be a safe place to to share some of yeah. that stuff, and that can be hard to tease out, right? Because you yeah. know we as Christians we have we have the standard, right? Christ Christ tells us what it, this is the way we're supposed to look yeah. like, live like. This yeah. is the way we're supposed to love one another. Um, so how do we you know how do we become a community where we're able to uh, share our sins with one another and for it to be a safe place to heal? Mm-hmm. Um, how many churches do you know where if the pastor <laughs> were to say, I am struggling with this core sin, yeah. you know, what would happen to yeah, him? Yeah, no doubt. He would be thrown, he would be cast from the sky yeah. like Satan. Like, you yeah. know, it, it, would not, it would not be pretty. And, and it's largely because our churches are not a safe place for us to heal. Yeah. Uh, because we think that going to church and being a part of, being a Christian and being in a Christian community is about acting a certain way yeah. and looking a certain way, yeah. which is why things like pornography can insert themselves yeah. into our hearts and in our lives and they stay in the dark. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's the goal is to really try to become a community where we can heal, where we can heal ourselves and where we can heal yeah. one another. I remember talking to someone a few years back about their pastor and I had some concern that this pastor um, you know, didn't have any accountability uh, sorry, that word's loaded now. Um, just they, they were <laughs> sure. kind, they were kind of a you know it was it was a, a cult of celebrity a little bit at this sure. church and sure. big personality, no other elders kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And and I said to this person, you know, like what if this guy's got some you know sin issues that he needs to tease out? What if what if he needs somebody to confront him on some stuff? Mm-hmm. And they were like, oh, like it, he wouldn't. He's in this. And I was like, I mean, if he got caught looking at like pornography or something, like who's gonna challenge him on this or, right. or walk with him in this. And they were like, oh, he would never. And 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 that immediately, I'm like, oh my gosh, like sure. that has to yeah. now stay in the dark yep. for yep. him. 
Yep. Otherwise, you know what I mean? Like there is no safe place. And I think I maybe shared this with you, but like I'm actually thankful for some of my leaders. And I think this isn't probably the only way it needs to be dealt with. But the bishops in my particular um, tribe uh, <laughs> have said that if any of any of the priests in um, in our diocese uh, and the house isn't part of the Anglican Church, so this is sure. just kind of more me personally yep. now. But yep. uh, but if any of the priests, if they find out from somebody that any of the priests have been looking at anything pornographic, have been really involved in any kind of illicit sexual activity, um, that they that they would probably be defrocked and like lose their yeah. standing but they said if you tell us first we'll do everything we can to yeah. work with you and keep and walk with you in healing and keep you just need to be the ones to confess it to us yeah. it better not come from somebody else right. um I, I mean personally i i actually like and i believe them you know uh, and i thought that was pretty cool i'm sure people can respond to that in different ways but i think you're right that there's a lot of there's a lot of darkness man and People's leaders are not uh, uh, free from those temptations. Yeah. Um, it really comes as no surprise when you see, um, you know, these these affairs just explode people's <laughs> lives that are that are in pastoring leadership yeah. positions, because uh, you end up with this culture of I am a leader, yeah. so therefore I cannot be a person that looks at porn, person totally. that lusts after other women, yep. other people's yep. wives, yep. Yep. and then that. That becomes the mechanism that the enemy uses to keep you in the dark, mm-hmm. and and you set up all this system of denial. Like yeah. I can't be this. I'm yeah. I'm a leader, and that and that you know that's not excluded for just leaders. That's true. You can extend that to I am a Christian. Totally. Therefore, I mm-hmm. I don't do this. Yeah. I am not this. Yeah. So to be able to to admit, and and here's the, <laughs> here's the kicker. God knows this about us. God knows our hearts more than we know it ourselves. Um, God is not squeamish about our sin. Mm-hmm. God, God looks in, in our hearts, looks at our sin, and he says, you know, that's where I want to do the miracle. And that really yeah. is the miracle of salvation, the yeah. way that this extremely ingrown, destructive force of sin that's in our hearts, in our lives, in our families, and in our churches can be reversed mm-hmm. by, the, by the power of the gospel. Um, a moment when Frodo wakes up and finds out that Gandalf is alive, right? And he says, is everything bad coming untrue? I mean, that's really what the gospel looks like, yeah, yeah. is being able to reverse to reverse all that stuff. Yeah. Um, but you got you to you gotta, you gotta admit that it's there. Yeah. You know, if, if we can't, if we're not willing to admit the problems that we have, uh, we, and we keep becoming these, these places where we manage behavior and manage our appearance, um, then we're, we'll never be able to get to the core of the problem. How important do you think it is? <clears throat> I guess two, this is two, two questions related to uh, denial and such. Um, how important it is, do you think, for somebody to be able to identify as an addict? Sure. So, yeah, so we've been using, I've been using words like addiction and sobriety, right? And these are, these are um, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy terms mm-hmm. uh, or just therapy terms in general. Um and they're and they're I think they're very useful and they're and you know I think they're useful because um, because I think a big part of it is that you can actually get hints of how this works how how people get stuck in systems of behavior of looking at pornography or acting out sexually from neurobiology yeah. uh, you can get you can get a picture of it and honestly I think the more that you learn about the brain 
the more you see the fingerprints of God. You know, there, sometimes we end up in this world where science and religion are two separate things. That's kind of the way our culture likes to treat them. Here's the scientific understanding, mm-hmm. uh, and then here's the religious understanding. But I think it's more of a continuum, right? Mm-hmm. The more we understand about nature and yeah. us and the world, the more we get to see God yeah. uh, in it. Because yeah. he's the one who, you know, yeah, just to, I want to make sure uh, folks can check into this because one of the one of the other questions, and I think this just these are integrated. So, sure. um, as you're responding to the question about uh, identifying as an as a, an yeah. addict or yeah. calling it an addiction, I think one of the questions that maps onto this is um, just in your experience, I guess. Why do you think pornography is so prevalent, mm-hmm. especially given, yep. even though I know statistics show. That, that, a, that large numbers of people in every generation say it's not harmful. Mm-hmm. Um, people say that. Study yeah. after study demonstrates that yeah. it is, in fact, harmful. Yeah. Um, and anecdotally, I think most people recognize its harm. Um, you know, whatever. Anyway, um, but in my experience, I, I, you know, I can't think of a single person I've met that felt pretty good about themselves for their sure. porno, porno, like pornography use. Right. Yeah. Um, that they were like... Oh yeah, yeah. Well, let's go out for dinner at six. I just want to spend an hour looking at porn first. Like I've, I actually never heard that. Thousands and thousands yeah. of guys I've walked with, um, you know, I've I've never heard people just casually talk about it in in a setting that I have heard it casually talked about in certain settings. But it's not a setting that anybody outside of that setting would lift up sure. as admirable. You know what I mean? So anyway, ought to say, given that there seems to be widespread agreement that this is. Uh, dirty this is mm-hmm. sinful maybe maybe your category is there but at least it's not something that we we laud right um given that why is it so prevalent yeah. why is it that yeah. like that like no matter guys will get flip phones instead of smartphones right. and they'll they'll like get filters on this thing and they're yeah. still year after year guy after guy struggling with this stuff what makes it so prevalent i think that probably ties into this addictive stuff so. absolutely absolutely um you know if you if you look at the pornography industry and in, you know the last 70 80 years they've really been a driving factor of every form of media technology that we have I say more uh, so things like uh, DVDs uh, were primarily pioneered by the pornography industry that the choose the choice to go with um, huh. There's like an HD DVD versus uh, like a there's there versus that. Blu-ray. Yeah, that's right. Uh, that decision was primarily a VR true. now. Yep. VR is going to blow which up is the even, sex industry, which is even more terrifying. So what you know why is that? Why do you why can you find the pornography industry behind all these forms of media consumption? Uh, and the reason why is it it the way that the way that pornography is able to engage our brain um, is extremely powerful. You know, if it, initially just an image. Uh, and then, you know, moving images with, with sound and then increasing uh, rates of a high, you know, increasing degrees of fidelity with, mm-hmm. with HD and, and now 4K. And now you have something like VR, which is just absolutely terrifying. So, so the, the reality is, is that, you know, pornography is extremely engaging to our minds mm. uh, and to our, into our hearts. Uh, we, I think we try to, our culture tries to dismiss it as not a big deal because it doesn't seem like we're actually engaging with any other human being. That's right. right. You know, so it's, oh, it's just an image. It's just a video. I'm just mm-hmm. watching, I'm just watching a video. Um, but our brains don't know the difference and the ways that it changes and alters the way that our brains work uh, is, is in a very similar degree um, to, 
to the way that actually, you know, actually having sex is. And there's, and there's also this aspect of anonymity, yeah. right? I can pull out my phone anywhere. Uh, I can go into a bathroom somewhere, look yep. at porn, masturbate, you know, spend five minutes and then no one will know. Yeah. Uh, and that's, um, it's in the ease of access, right? You mentioned that 80% of pornography is now free. So it, it's, it's just so easily accessible. Uh, and the reality is it's only going to get worse. Technology is only going to get better. Pornography is only going to get more engaging. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's only going to get easier to access it if we're on, if we stay in the trajectory that we're on. Yeah. So, you know, we have a wildfire raging at the heart of, of the way that many of our men and women are dealing with this within the church. And our culture is actively pouring gasoline on it. And mm-hmm. the church is like, oh, mm-hmm. don't know what to do about it. Uh, it's, it's, it's honestly, it's terrifying. In part two of the conversation, Tripp and I are going to talk about addiction. We're going to talk a lot about the brain. Tripp's going to offer his thoughts on what actually would be helpful in terms of tools and strategies to have victory in this area of life. So please consider listening to part two of this conversation. And friends, God loves you to the bottom. And in Jesus Christ, there is hope, real hope for victory and for change. And I hope we find it together. Let's turn a corner in our culture. Let the people of God have a different story in this time. God bless you today. Thanks for joining us.